Welcome to the Evolution Exchange USA podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry passions and challenges that they're facing. I'm Austin Roden from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and I help connect businesses with some of the best contract solutions out there. So just start out. Mandar, thanks for joining the exchange. Um, great to have you on here. Uh, you can go ahead and uh, give us a quick intro on yourself. Great to be here, Austin. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I really am uh, really, really passionate about data. Uh, I have spent almost 20 plus years in various data ecosystems. If you know, 20 years ago, data wasn't king, data wasn't oil. It was just kind of, you know, uh, back of the room guys working to get as much as data from uh, as much as information from the data that is available, especially for large companies. Uh, having said that, um, I finished my engineering degree, uh, worked for one of the largest engineering conglomerate, and that's where I really um, found out what data can do and how it can actually help on a day-to-day basis uh, if you really use it well. Um, I then went on to do my uh, MBA from Syracuse University, um, and then, you know, instead of selling soaps and, you know, uh, other consumer stuff, I really believed in data and I remain in data f- uh, field. And here I am. Uh, I help uh, multiple large Wall Street firms, um, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, um, Merrill Lynch, in their various kind of um, data related initiatives. Last 10 years, I have been dealing with really really large enterprise-wide um data lake data ecosystems complete automation uh, most recently i am head of data and platform uh, architecture as well as implementation for an early stage startup called hyperspectral ai and um, here we are actually trying to find many of the invisible particles using a novel technology but also capturing relevant data, applying AI, and trying to speed it up and increase the accuracy. So that just a little bit about me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go like way, way back. Um, you graduate, uh, I guess, uh, high school or whatever, and you're going into the university. What What did you first want to be when you went into college? Yeah, so uh, I think back then, uh, manufacturing engineering was really big. Uh, computer engineering was coming up and if you really know really late 90s early 2000 it's like oh yeah it is one of the one of the fad that is probably you know not gonna last that long but soon after getting my engineering degree uh, i was responsible for designing you know 150 ton of petroleum equipment uh it probably had like more than 2000 components and each of those have their own idiosyncrasies and then what I realized is the business process, which is standardizing all the components into different categories, if we can easily capture it into a computer database, guess what? You just have to hit a few quick search items. And then Mingo, you have, you know, what was their previous cost? What was their previous um, uh, delivery section uh, schedule? So soon I realized that and then, you know, after about six months after the engineering college, I just basically, you know, came up with like simple Excel database that so impressed all of my colleagues that we actually bought Oracle database. So I taught myself data 
And yeah, after that, I never left this data page. Yeah. Awesome. So it's just kind of something you kind of stumbled upon and just wanted to keep doing it or what? So I, I really love the data. Uh, what I really, what really attracted me was the efficiency um, that if you can extract the information, if you can control data in a logical fashion, um, and if you exactly know what kind of value data is supposed to deliver to the right stakeholder, there is almost like a like a revolution that can happen uh, in terms yeah. of the entire um, efficiency chain in your in your organization. And when I realized that, I'm like, I just need to get out of this just engineering data view perspective. And that's when I went for my MBA, where actually I started, you know, learning different aspects um, and got into the business. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a stumble upon, a little bit of an opportunity, a little bit of um, my attitude. But, yeah, uh, as they say, you know, a little bit of luck always helps. Yeah. Absolutely. So what was your first job like? Like you graduate, you know, you're, you're into data, you're understanding all this stuff. Like, what was it like getting that first, that first job? Yeah. So first job was, you know, uh, it was a lot of paperwork. You, you know, you obviously sit, uh, you look into the lock tables, try to find the right diameter, right thickness for your petroleum equipment. And then just something popped up saying that, Hey, you know, I have this Excel where I can easily search um, why can't have a comprehensive system that actually can help me? Um, so not only just finding the component, not only just finding, you know, what is right for that. And then as a bonus, you can actually just click all those components and yeah. then put into algorithm or the engineering calculation or the formula that you put in very efficiently and out comes your product. So you just basically shave like, seven days out of your design um and that basically you know that never left me um another very relevant example i would like to give is way back in in my mba um for my internship i actually analyzed the data for a warehouse for writer um so you know all that writer or walgreens for that matter any retail shop um there is tons and tons of product that come in but what happens is all the factories ship into a central warehouse and then from warehouse you essentially need to pick and choose what each of the retail store want all right now you had all the data but unless that you convert that data into database and make it valuable you really cannot see any patterns right yeah. i just held that in an excel sheet to to write it and then that warehouse efficiency actually jumped 2%. Now, from our perspective, 2% is not that great. But when you consider 2% in terms of labor and the entire warehouse cost, that was humongous, right? Yeah. So that's when we realized, hey, you know, if there are 10 orders of toothpaste, there are probably going to be 12 orders of um, toothbrushes too. Oh, and by the way, your soaps and shampoos are not that behind and they usually goes in quantities in similar low or high depending upon you know various demands and that's when i realized okay you know like data is is not gonna be out of fashion anytime soon yeah so you got your mba at syracuse 
Um, how, how was that for you? Like, was that the only school that you considered or what kind of led to you going there? And what, what was that like? Yeah. So, uh, initially I really wanted to focus on supply chain and supply chain was up and coming, um, kind of focus, um, in various MBAs and business schools. What I realized is Syracuse was not only one of the better schools, but it also had um, very small class sizes for supply chain, especially. Um, and one of the professor, Professor Zinzer, he was or he is um, still one of the one of the pioneers uh, from supply chain. So when you put supply chain marketing, you know, and kind of gathering together uh, in terms of data, um, that's what kind of appealed me. And although it is a you know small school. Um, not a highly regarded for supply chain marketing. I think it was it was a really right choice. Very cool. So, all right, you, you get all this. Uh, you're working. You're in data. Um, at what point did you start getting into a position where you were managing people or you know really responsible for big projects? So it 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 kind of evolved over the years. So initially, um, right after MBA, I was still kind of working as developer. Right. Um, essentially data engineering, what we call data engineering, um, mm -hmm. moving operational data into the analytical kind of layer, um, making sure that data is, you know, uh, accurate. It's all tested. Uh, users can use it. But at the same time, what I realized was there were very few people uh, who really understood data from both business, uh, technical, as well as day-to-day -day operational perspective. Right. And that that entire um, um, discipline now is called information architecture or engineering. Um, initially, it was just like a small data modeling, which essentially is, you know, how do you model data from technical perspective, but also understand it from the business perspective. And that's when I stepped in and then soon realized that, you know, there was really a big vacuum in terms of connecting business and technology people and to a large extent that still exists today right many of the many of the team they just basically toss everything over and it was very prevalent back then uh, you just toss over each other's wall and essentially hope you know it, it, it works um and when i kind of started presenting all the basic issues and kind of not challenging but essentially making business aware of you know what the real challenges from business perspective are um that's how i slowly started stepping into you know larger and larger roles yeah. you know data engineering and everything slowly yeah i've heard that quite a bit you know i mentioned this before but like i, I was in the military for a long time and you always had that it can be a gift and it can be a curse a lot of times when you're the person who can articulate what the problem is Somehow you end up being the person that they task with solving it. So I, I've heard that a lot too. It's like, look, I was seeing the issues. I was bringing it up and they're like, okay, great. You're going to be the one to fix it. But, you know, it sounds like in your case, over time, you were given the resources and the ability to do all that. So no, that's, that's awesome. And then uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you're working now? It sounds like some really interesting stuff you got going on there. Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, we are an early stage startup and, you know, what does hyperspectral really means? Um, so if you, you know, to make it simplest thing, um, if you put a prism in sunlight, you can see the uh, rainbow on the other end, 
right? In this case, your eyes are actually uh, seeing the different, like one set of data enter into Prism and the seven different patterns of the data coming up from the, from the other side. Um, but if you put something called a spectrometer on the other end, you can see beyond what visible light that human eyes can see. In other words, there are like, you know, UV, ultra UV lights, um, infrared, mid-infrared, so on and so forth. So there is like a large spectrum. We can only see that. The spectroscope can accurately measure what is the proportion of each wave. And that's how NASA could, and NASA still does, what is the composition of not only the sun, but also the remote stars, right? Mm -hmm. Now, think about that. Every particle has its own unique um what I'm going to call is spectral signature, meaning if you change the glass of the prism, it may have slightly different uh, perspective than, you know, your cheap uh, prism. So why can't we use the similar technology on particles that you cannot see? That's the whole, that's the whole idea about our company, right? So we are, we, we started out finding uh, COVID-19 in our, uh, you know, human nasal swabs. Um, and we had pretty good, as good as antigen testing accuracy. But without divulging what I'm, what we are saying is, um, you could use the similar technology in multiple of the problems that exist today. Um, why are we doing it now? Because the the cost of the technology used to be prohibitive earlier, and now it is falling down, and we want to capitalize more on that. Yeah. So we essentially, you know, try to get, think about your, you know, COVID-19, your RSV, your flu-like symptoms, you put in nasal swab, you send it to PCR, two days later, the, the, the colony forming things happen, and then you get the result back. If there's enough concentration, um, you can just put the same swab uh, or part of that swab, make our light pass through. If, we, you know, we upload it to our cloud, we have proprietary uh, algorithms and then ultimately, you know, ML and AI models to essentially find out does this particular, you know, solution has COVID-19 or RSV or flu, right? So you get results in almost like within 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes. Um, so it's faster, better, cheaper. Uh, you can apply the same technology for, you know, various E. coli, um, you know, salmonella, effusion. You can also apply for methane plumes, uh, CO2 plumes. Um, so there are multiple of um, kind of use cases. And, you know, we are essentially very careful about chasing one use case at a time. Uh, but that's, you know, in, in crux what, what our uh, company is. Very cool. So in theory, you could shine that at the moon and actually find out if it's made of cheese or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? No, if possible. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's that's some cool stuff. So, okay. Uh, and, and thank you for that. Um, so you've been in data for a long time. You've been watching it progress, you know, for what do you say, over, over 20 years now. Uh, what do you think across the board some of the bigger challenges are right now? Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, the technology has evolved, but some of the challenges are still the old study. And one of the main thing is... Um, people or different teams not communicating with each other in a meaningful way, right? So we have <clears throat> multiple reorganization, the agile structure of the team. Ultimately, 
you know, um, and and that's what I think one of the data mesh concept is, which is domain driven. But many a times people really do not understand what you mean by domain driven, right? So let's say if I'm in sales um, system and I'm a front end developer, what do I have to do with the data when, right? Actually, you need to have a lot of understanding of what kind of attributes and elements you are showing it to which persona of the users, how you are capturing it, who can operate upon attributes. The whole idea is you have to have ideal data quality captured right at the source and then flow through different ecosystems of the of the uh, company, right? So fine, you talk with salesperson, but he or she is not the only business person you need to talk to, right? Because they can definitely give you everything that they need from sales perspective, closing it, this, that. Their manager may give you more information. But guess what? The marketing guys may need to know certain attributes, not all the attributes. They shouldn't see all the attributes, obviously. Um, the accounting people may want to know what are the terms that you are agreeing to, right? Uh, what kind of what kind of you know accounting this should happen, or what is your delivery time that you are promising? Whereas the Top management may be interested in, you know, how many calls a salesperson is making, uh, how many personal calls, how many, you know, conference calls. So there are a lot of stakeholders, a lot of business people. So just the business is exploding in terms of, you know, different view perspective. So you need to actually understand how they would be using those attributes at different life cycle of the data, right? Hmm. And it, it may sound like boiling the ocean, but it may not. If you if you agree upon you know uh, a certain operating model about hey you know we are undertaking this new project, okay. First thing is you know you just follow the process, and that's what we kind of did in JP Morgan. Once you involve few key people from each of these areas, and it may be UX developer, it may be like a backend developer, it may be uh, um, like actually the JavaScript guys or the cloud developer, once you know that it becomes a well oil machine where all these silos are broken, and then you are basically a very high data quality data flows through different parts of the. Uh, so I think you know the 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 problems are still you know old style where we still haven't crossed that, or many company haven't crossed that barrier yet. Yeah. I've heard that quite a bit too, actually, because I talk with a lot of guys, you know, at the same level as yourself, all the way down to individual engineers who are like, yeah, I mean, they work for really large companies and sometimes you might as well have several different companies inside some of these enterprise level, you know, and larger companies. So, um, all right. And, and and thank you for that. And I, I do agree that I've heard that from a couple of people. I haven't heard anybody articulate it that way. So that's awesome. Um, and then as far as moving forward, uh, what do you think some of the advancements in data are going to look like? Yeah. So I think the advancement of data, you know, um, so let me just go back just 10 years ago. If you had to process like few gigabytes of um, files, it used to be bigger challenge. Um, today, gigabytes or even petabytes of data is, is not that much of a problem. The yeah. cost is falling significantly. Um, having said that, you know, in terms of the challenges, I think the AI, ML, and the governance around it, along with 
appropriate data governance is going to be one of the major challenges. Um, essentially, everybody wants to move really fast, and that's just what the market dictates. And if you don't have the infrastructure to give what your data scientists need in a speed, without having that audit trail, I think you are signing up for a lot of problems that may come back later when your model, your ML model or AI, actually is released in production and you realize that there are either biases or you actually, you, your diversity of the data wasn't up to the mark that you were expecting. Um, so the the dangers are still going to lie into, the human is always going to be the weaker factor uh, more and more here. Uh, rather than technology, the technology is going to be giving us a lot of tools, a lot of ease, um, but yes, I mean, you know, uh, at the end of the day, who is doing what, why, and essentially what is the audit trail? Um, why are we doing that? Are there any, um, you know, is your data diverse enough? Is your, is your, are you doing the right thing? Those kind of questions will be becoming more and more prominent. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I was having a conversation not that long ago, kind of about, you know, just something as simple as like doing homework in school. It's like, well, yeah, you could almost just have, you know, an AI model you know, or chat GPT or anything, just write it out for you. And it's like, okay, well, how do you verify that you're actually the person who did that work? It's like, well, you could hand write it, you know, or even like re recording things, you'd have to say it face to face. So it's kind of, kind of got to a point where all of a sudden, I think face to face human interaction is going to become more valuable because that's the only way for us to really verify that anything happened almost anymore. That's kind of crazy. Same thing with, but now they're showing stuff too, where it's like, oh, well, I mean, they can get like 3D printer technology or even a specific printer that uses a hand pencil. And, you know, I could have it handwritten and I could program a font with my thing. But that's, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm not even 40 yet, but, you know, growing up, I never would have thought that we'd already be here, you know, by now. So, just seems like everything's, I mean, and you have to have seen it. If in the past 20 years you've been working with data, what, I'll ask you this, what do you think it will look like in another like 10 years? Like, do you think there's going to be something completely different that we haven't even fathomed yet? Or will it just be like a big conglomeration of things that have built up to then? So I, I would like to take this question into kind of two different categories, right? Um, the first category is like more mundane, um, operational, uh, what will be the future of the um, systems in organizations or for companies? If you really look from in you know, the last probably 30, 40 years, it kind of is where which you know kind of goes abound. Um, you know, it kind of keeps fluctuating. Where initially people were like, you know, everybody was in silo. Then everybody wanted to make the centralized. And now with the data mesh, everybody is again decentralized. As the technologies evolve and it gives us more and more options, you want to keep seeing a little bit back and forth, um, not many changes. Hopefully, data governance, the, the business will somehow be already implemented in that. And, you know, that kind of wall keeps on collapsing. The other one is really the implication or the consumption of data. So earlier we had excellent visualizations, um, but we moved quickly from, you know, mundane um, visualizations to, you know, when the tableau was first came in and, you know, you could actually plot that 
amazing graphs on the geographical uh, maps or any other things, people will be like, wow. Now with ML and AI, you even get, you can even get insights into data that would have taken at least months, if not years. And that is going to be, you know, uh, very important. The, the main issue there is going to be, you know, apart from issues, I think it is going to be so commonplace even for individual user and the organizational user that you almost will have to kind of know how to use AI to extract that information. Um, maybe that will happen in five years and, you know, 10 years from now, we will back to it, which is like AI.2, where yeah. we will find ourselves back in the same cycle where yeah. we now need to kind of, you know, go back to the basics and kind of modify data and, you know, kind of design everything that comes out of the data. So, I mean, that's that's probably what I think would happen unless obviously something like GPT or something else comes along and totally uh, takes the non-linear path. Yeah, just just solves the problem that we didn't know existed for us. And yeah, that, that could be fancy. It could be kind of scary. I don't know. I, someone was talking to about how like, you know, you could just say, hey, we want to solve the litter problem. And it would be like, oh, yeah, we'll just get rid of the humans. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, that would fix it. But that's not what it means. I, I use it quite a bit, um, you know, as, as a recruiter. And I don't want to tell too much about it because I don't think anybody else is using it. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure they are, but I'm not going to put it out there. But it's it's really impressive uh, the things that it can do. And it just arranges things in ways that, you know, I wouldn't have thought to. But I know other people in the same industry that are trying to get it to do the same thing, but they don't really I'm not trying to act like I'm so smart. I know how to do it, but it's definitely not something that you could just go to anybody on the street and hand to and say, OK, you know, you're a, a Python engineer now. Like it's, it's you got to know what to put in it and how to arrange it. So I think knowing that, you know, kind of gives me some comfort that I think we're still a ways away before it's, it is that where you could walk up to just anybody with that tool, that widget and say, okay, it'll do anything you need it to. And then, yeah, but anyways, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for that input. And then I guess, uh, before we leave it, was there anything else, uh, you wanted to put out there or talk about or ask? Um, no, I think this was, this was a great conversation. You know, uh, I think with email, AI and data, I think there are amazing days, but as you said, it could become scary. And, you know, yeah. I think we all going to be witness. We just gotta, you know, swim in the waves that, you know, have been flow. <laughs> yeah. So, that's the only thing lasting that I would like to have. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And I know uh, we've got you scheduled uh, for another episode coming up. So definitely looking forward to talking with you again. And uh, thank you so much. Once again, I am Austin. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you join us next time. This is the Evolution Exchange USA podcast. If you or someone you know would be interested in being a guest on the exchange, or if you're looking for some really good contract engineers, feel free to reach out to me directly. You can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Austin Roden. You can also email me directly. That's austin.roden at evolutionjobs.us. Also, feel free to check out the exchange. That's evolutionjobs.us. You can get a feeling for you know what we're all about here at Evolution. And uh, yeah, on that note, thanks again so much for listening. Hope we'll hear you next time.